You're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 125th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, I'm excited to continue the leadership conversation with Kimberly Hambrick as my guest. She is someone I follow on LinkedIn, and I'm always impressed with the thoughtful things she posts and find many similarities in our thinking. So I invited her to talk with all of you to discover for yourself if you haven't already. Dr. Kimberly Hambrick is a leadership development and growth coach and trainer. She designs empowered leaders to achieve the significance they desire. She owns Kimberly Hambrick Consulting and is an executive director with the Maxwell Leadership Team and serves on the President's Advisory Committee. Kimberly has over three decades of experience in corporate America serving in leadership roles. She admits she didn't always get it right, but she worked to grow bigger on the inside so she could be better on the outside. Kimberly's I am damn good at what I do and I take my work damn serious, but I do not always take myself seriously. Each day, at a minimum, Kimberly believes, should have at least one deep belly laugh, and if tears are streaming and she lets out a snort, it's the best. Kimberly battled limiting self-beliefs well into her late 40s, early 50s, but she knows her worth and her value and no longer needs others' views to make her see her worth. Known as the BS Buster, she works to bust through their belief systems or bullshit swirl of negative thoughts and excuses with a proven system that minimizes risks and moves them forward. Her passion and her work come from her own growth, and although she can't stop others from missteps, she can empower and equip them to live out their values daily to meet their desired goals. She believes we are all fully resourced but need a guiding hand at times to grow. Thank you so much for joining us for this conversation on value-based servant leadership. Let's start with how you define value-based servant leadership, Kimberly. Oh, thank you, Kim. First and foremost, thank you for the kind words. And I'm always wanting to chat with people who can see the world where people matter. When I talk about the work that I do, there are a couple of words. I talk about it being people-centric. I think that first and foremost, people need to be first. When you get into leadership roles, your focus should be on the people, not just on growing the organization. One place that that really came out was during the pandemic, when a lot of leaders from organizations were making some difficult decisions. But there were some that really put the people first. And so an example is a leader who reached out to his team and said, you know, we have these targets. We're not going to meet those revenue targets. What we're going to do is we're going to be more realistic. It's more important that we focus on you, your self-care, and take that stress off of you. So that's people-centric. Value-based is just leading from whatever your values are. If you're a person of integrity, if you're honest, if you take responsibility, and it can happen. We can be value-based leaders. We don't need to rise up to a leadership role and then forget what we stand for. And so I work a lot to let people understand what their values are and how they play out in work. Servant leadership, a lot of times when I talk about it, and you and I talked about it before we hit record, a lot of times people equate servant leadership from a religious point of view. But that's really not what we're talking about. 
servant leadership means you are doing what you can to advance others. When you think about it from a leadership role, you need to make sure that what you're doing is growing your team and moving them forward on their journey versus making you look good. Oh, I like that because sometimes that might mean you have to let your people go. Absolutely. And it's funny because when I work with corporations and when I was in corporate, I really believe people need to follow their passion and follow what's important to them. Someone may be in a position that they don't enjoy. I try to find out what is it that you want to do. And then I can see if I can create an opportunity for them to grow where they are in the position currently or outside the team, but still in the corporation or in another corporation. Just recently, there was a group I was working with and someone who has felt beat down for like the last three years in a conversation with this person. Then she left the organization and she she credited me with having her leave the organization. And I said, I'd like to circle back on that one for just a second and ask what you mean by that. What she said was, listening to you, I understood that if I wasn't happy and if I wasn't growing, it was my choice to find another opportunity. I support that 100%. We don't want people working for us who are unhappy. We know what happens there. So give them the wings and let them grow and be who they are. And if they go elsewhere, one of the things I say often is I bless and release people to their higher good. I think we all should do that. But a lot of people in corporate and unfortunately in leadership roles don't always think that way because they've lost control of the people when someone wants to grow beyond them. Yeah, I love that. I can talk about many instances of that that I've seen. So that's beautiful. What are the advantages for the leader and their people in leading from a value-based servant position? The advantage from a leader leading from from their values, they're authentic and they're true to themselves. It makes life so much easier when what's inside of you is coming out and how you are. For example, I am a person of faith and I don't put my faith on other people, but in corporate America, I was never allowed to talk about my faith. Other people could talk about their faith, but I wasn't allowed to talk about mine. Faith is a deeply held belief and values are deeply held beliefs. I can talk about my values. I can talk about being a person of integrity. I can talk about somebody who sees potential in all. And you're known for that. So when you're authentic, working from your values, people know who you are. They know what to expect from you. And then that's where the benefits of your team come in. They know who you are. They know what to expect from you. And they know how they can work in that world. Someone who believes in values also values the values of their team. You then don't want everybody to do as you say. So one way I see this happening when when a leader is comfortable in his or her own skin and operating from their values, they're more than okay to have a conversation where they could say, like when COVID hit, the team I was working with, I said, listen, I don't know how to lead from this. I'm still being authentic and I'm holding true to who I am. I don't know how to lead from this. I want to make sure you're all okay. And we're going to make sure about that. Work doesn't matter really if you're suffering. As we were moving through and coming up with other ways to do it, I want to hear their input. I'm humble enough to say, I don't know it all. And I want to hear what you all think about this. And not only creating that space for their input, but also going with the best idea, even if it's not mine. That's humbling, right? (laughs) Oh, it is. Very very humbling. (laughs) 
I don't know if you know, but I work from a place called Choice Theory Psychology. And in Choice Theory, there was an application, or there is, I should say, an application to leadership. And it really is what you talked about initially about it's the individual's responsibility for their own happiness and their own satisfaction. It's all about choices, and we make choices every day. It sounds like without knowing choice theory, you're very aligned with those concepts and ideas. And they're also built on the work of W. Edwards Deming, who you probably are familiar with, with total quality leadership. Choice theory psychology is definitely something I want to look into because I was not aware of it. But as you were talking about it, and I think about when I work with clients that I coach, we all have choices each and every day. And the choice is how we respond to a exactly. situation. And so that function of react or respond is how we respond. And that's what I talk about. As you shared in my bio, I didn't always get it right because sometimes I reacted. Once I realized it was about responding, and then more importantly, where do I have control? Because I don't have control of a lot of things, but finding out where I have control in making those choices. In working with clients, a lot of them will come to me that they're unhappy. The situation they're in, they want to grow themselves. And I work with them and I get them to a point. And a couple of times clients will say, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, whatever. And what I say to them is, well, you've made your choice. You've made your choice to stay there. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying you've made your choice to stay there. So if you're making a choice to stay in an environment that you're unhappy with, stop complaining because you've decided to stay. So make the best of it. To be perfectly honest, there's a person in my life that's a family member. This person's choices impact what's happening in their life. Always out of work, always out of money. They need to make a change. And the change they need to make is not creating drama out on social media so people feel sorry for them. That's not going to fix the issue. They have to make a choice to make their life better. I haven't seen a pattern of that going to happen anytime soon, unfortunately. Right. And choice theory would say that the choice that they're making to cause drama on social media must be working in some way for them, or they would make a different choice. It's frustrating, especially when they're a part of your family, but remembering that they have the choice and they're making it and not to respond to that drama so that the drama stops working, hopefully. And not to, at least for me, not to feel guilty when I don't respond to it because the situation always involves needing money. And I think I finally understood it over the past few weeks that in a way I enable this person every time they put the call out and I give them money. I'm okay. A good friend of mine told me this week that no is a complete sentence. (laughs) And, and And it was so powerful to me that I could say no and not feel guilty. That's the key to say no and be okay with that. And know that in your own way, true to your own mission, you're assisting in the growth of that person. I hope so. I'm still a work in progress on that one with this person, but I hope so. Thank you. Yeah. It's hard when they're close. Definitely. Glaser had an application of choice theory to leadership, and it was based on the work of W. Edwards Deming. One of the things that he was very keen on was having the people at the top talk to the people who do the work to find out what's wrong, what could be done better, what resources do they need, what's working, what's not working, because clearly they know they're doing it every day. Whereas he or she is in their office, maybe watching the assembly line or whatever 
they're doing, but they don't really know because they're not in the trenches. So that makes a lot of sense to me. Oh, it does. And I'm so glad you shared that because I have something else that I want to investigate and look into. A lot of times I'll be working with CEOs and I talk with them about their team because I'm working with the team. Let's just say, for example, Kim, you were one of the employees and I would tell the CEO something about you. And the person said, huh, I didn't know Kim did that. I thought Kim did X. I get when you have a large team, you can't know everything. But at a minimum, you should know the brilliant people who sit on your team and what they do. And you do that by getting out of the office and talking to people. A lot of CEOs or leaders would do that before COVID when we were all in an office building together. You can still connect with people virtually. It takes you out of your comfort zone. I get that. But finding out who the people are and then more importantly, what are they doing for you and where are the issues? A lot of times they have the answer to fix the issue if you just listen. Yeah. And if you take the time to ask. Absolutely. Very important. Yeah. I know you mentioned, of course, growing people, and that's how the people benefit. Are there other benefits for employees when they are working for a servant leader, do you think? I always focus on personal growth, even if it's in a professional world, because when I talk about getting bigger on the inside, we have to get what's right with us first before we interact with people, (laughs) just first and foremost. And then that's how we can branch out to them. When I think about some of the teams that I've worked with and some of the things that they said to me, and I'm not using this to brag about me because I'm perfectly imperfect, but it's the things that I've heard from them from their benefits, they talk about feeling like they're cared for to make mistakes, which I think is really important. I only view a failure or a mistake as bad if you don't learn from it. When I would supervise teams, I would always say, you know, if something goes wrong, come to me. I'll take the heat for it and we're going to fix it. When something goes well, you all are in the spotlight a team might feel more willing and okay to push themselves to do work where it may result in a mistake. If you know that somebody is there that has your back versus people who are so afraid to do anything because of the tyrant that's a leader. If you're afraid to do anything, you're not going to do anything. You're just going to sit there and do the bare minimum that you need to stay employed. Because you're scared. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go outside of the job description. Yeah. And I think that's wrong. There are places where you have to make sure that safety is in there. Both my sons work in production plant and I have conversations with them where they figure out what the issue is and they brainstorm solutions. It's because they're allowed to go up to management and say, here's something that's been happening. And here are two or three things that we want you to think about. And I'm a firm believer, bring your problems to me, but please bring a couple solutions. Just don't dump it on me. I want your input. Yeah, I totally agree with that. When I was managing in a foster care setting, I would say the same thing to my folks. Tell me what's wrong, but tell me how you want to fix it also. I didn't always go with what they said, but together we brainstormed something that made sense for both of us. I want to talk about this servant leadership thing for a minute because I wonder if you think it could be taken to extreme where the leader becomes ineffective because they become a doormat for the people that work for them instead of taking time to be focused also on the job. I find there's a very interesting balance between people and relationships and the mission of the organization. What do you think about that? 
I could be a case study for that one. I did write a chapter in the book called Single Out, which was focusing around workplace bullying. In leadership roles, I would care for my team. And I found myself as I was in corporate before I stepped out to do my own work, I found myself losing sight of me. I wasn't even focused on my own growth. I was focused on growing other people. I thought that the people that I was pushing and growing valued that. It never occurred to me that people were just taking advantage of me to get to the next step. It was a very difficult, rude awakening for me because I found out there was a person that I had worked with in a previous organization and the organization that we worked at. Once this person saw no value in me, tried very hard to destroy me personally, professionally, which also rolls into financial and all that. In a conversation about it, when I was first made aware of it, I was told that this person had recorded me for 10 plus years, audio, video, journaling, without my knowledge. I've said to you, I'm perfectly imperfect. (laughs) When they brought it to my attention, nobody thought that was wrong or illegal, first of all. And then second, when they offered up one or two things that they would share with me, when I told them a different side, their response was, hmm, okay. And I could see that they started to see it unravel. But that really was the first time in my life when I realized, first and foremost, I deserved better. And so I resigned on the spot. That wasn't what they wanted. We weren't even talking about that, but I needed to get away from that. One of the realizations that I had the next morning when I woke up, and I was like, what the have I done? I started to think about it. And I realized that it was me that attracted people into my circle that didn't see my value because I lost sight of my own value because I was so focused on others, others, others. A few things I learned was one, taking care of yourself is not selfish. Making sure that you're whole mind, body, and spirit, and that you focus on what's good for you is really important. I was able to say to myself, it was my life of limiting self-belief that brought these people into my world because I didn't see my value. But Kim, that's where it stopped. I'm not taking ownership of their actions. That's on them. That's right. It was very powerful and freeing to me, but I do think that that could be the dark side of someone who's a servant leader. They turn into such a people pleaser. They forget that they also need to please themselves. It was very true for me. Yeah. When you look at a leadership continuum, right, where you have like that dictatorial leader over here, and then you have the laissez-faire leader over here, in the middle is where there's effective leadership. And that requires the balance of you meeting your needs, as well as helping your people get their needs met at the same time. If you're only worried about their needs, then you're at the laissez-faire end. And if you're only worried about yours, you're at the dictator end. And neither of those are very effective. Yeah. I like the word that you said, balance. Balance, alignment, sort of the same thing to me. But it's making sure that both are important and are connected. So it's not the dictator who puts his or her needs over everybody. In my case, I don't even know if it was I was trying to be liked that I wanted everybody to be happy. It probably was because one of the things that I've learned from amazing mentors and leaders that I'm connected with, from a leadership perspective, you have to answer the question, do you want to be liked or do you want to lead? You can lead and still have a servant heart for others. 
But in my case, where I tipped too far to the one side of wanting to make people happy because I thought that meant they liked me, I got caught up in just a really toxic situation. And I knew the best thing for me was to exit. Well, that's interesting because it brings me to a new question. And that was also in your bio about overcoming your limiting beliefs. And I'm wondering if this is connected. And even if it isn't, how did you manage to overcome those limiting beliefs? Because I've never met a leader who didn't have them at some point. So true. So true. I was very successful. I had a very successful corporate career despite my limiting beliefs, but I was always bumping up. So if you think about John Maxwell and the law of the lid, you can't outperform your thinking of yourself. It really was that moment. So maybe about three months before that conversation, when I decided to resign, I had joined. I wanted to be certified with John Maxwell, the Maxwell Leadership Team. I had been certified as a coach about four years prior with International Coach Federation because I knew it was in my heart to want to grow people. At the time, I knew who John was, but I didn't know he had a team that you could join. I joined that team in October. The reason that I joined is what I share in my bio was I didn't always get it right. And I wanted to be better as a leader. Fast forward to January when I resigned. I started to lean into some of the mentors because I knew that I was the issue to a point and I wanted to figure out how to not fix me, but change me. I started working a lot with the mentors who focused on mindset because it really was mindset. It was a very simple yet profound activity that one of the mentors has us do. It's all about I am and what follows I am. Even though I had been secretly recorded and I didn't know it, I purposefully would record myself talking to people. It was heartbreaking because it was so effortless. What came out of my mouth was negative words about myself. Hmm. I first and foremost had to know that's what I was doing. And then the next part of it was to write, and I'll never forget it, we had to write 100 positive I am statements. And I am not joking when I tell you, I probably could have wrote the next American novel of 500 pages before I could get 10 positive I am statements out because I wasn't used to thinking that way. I had a leader one time tell me that my self-deprecating humor was viewed as a negative. I thought it meant I was endearing and I was humble, but it wasn't. So I started to write out these I am statements and I kept them where I could see them. And I started to believe them, which is really important. So a lot of times when I use that hashtag, simple yet profound, we don't have to do big things. Sometimes it's an inchworm step forward of saying something positive about yourself and starting to believe it. When I did that, then I realized I'm just as valued and important as the people that I want to grow. And it was okay to take time out for me and to grow myself. And it sounds like you did. I did. But I'm not saying in in the social media world, a lot of times people reach out to me and say, come on, are you always this positive? Well, no, but I choose to put the positive out because I don't want to create drama for other people. Where it works, and when I talk about that BS swirl, in the past, if a negative thought bubbled up or the person that I said had secretly recorded me, one of the things this person would always say to me in a conversation was, do you know what your problem is? Well, Kim, I was like, oh my God, I've got a problem. What's my problem? Oh my gosh, I have a problem. This person's so much more intelligent than me. I have a problem. And I swirled and I swirled and I swirled. 
now, and it goes back to our conversation about choice, now a negative thought bubbles up. And I quickly ask, is it true or not? And if it's not true, bless and release it. If it's true, there's still a choice. Do I want to do something about it or not? We don't have to do something about everything. That happens pretty quickly. And so I'm able to move forward instead of where I would go in the past of swirling and then believing and then putting that in my 12-piece luggage set (laughs) and taking it forward with me. Yeah, that's a lot of baggage to carry. Absolutely. I feel like now I'm just to a carry-on. Maybe even one that'll that'll fit under the seat. (laughs) Big congratulations on that. That required, I know, a lot of work. Good for you. That is a real inspiration to people who follow you to know that you're not perfect, so they don't have to be perfect. The idea is just to keep introspecting, finding those things that you want to do something about and getting stronger in those areas. Yes. And thank you. And it's daily. It's not like, okay, fix my self-limiting beliefs, check. Don't have to do anything else about it. No. And this is why internal growth is so important. We're always growing. We're always changing. We're always evolving. And that's a good thing. It is a good thing. And you know that expression, if you're not growing, you're dying. Absolutely. I'm not ready for that yet. We are both on a path of lifelong learning. And there's always something about yourself that you can learn and change if you choose to. Yeah. People talk about competition and I'm very competitive in the business world. Let's be real. I love going after those multi-year, multi-million dollar projects and I like winning them. I'm very competitive. I used to compare myself to others, but I don't do that anymore. I compare myself to who I was yesterday. Right. I want to be a better person today than I was yesterday. Sometimes I'm very successful. Sometimes I'm not, but I know I can always do better. There's always tomorrow. I mean, I don't view that as being critical. Someone told me one time that that was being critical of myself, and I don't think it is. I think it's knowing that I was put on this earth to add value out to others. And I want to do that. Yep. Me too. We're coming to the end of our time. I'm just wondering if there's anything you'd like to add that we didn't already talk about. I've so enjoyed the conversation. And what I would just like to say is it circles back to something that I said, we're all perfectly imperfect. If you embrace that, and if you're willing to do what's in your heart, because we all have, it doesn't matter what you call it. You can call it a passion. You can call it a calling. It's whatever it is, but there's something inside of you. If there's a whisper inside of you that you feel like you want to do, listen to it, explore it and find a way to do what each and every day is going to make you happy because life is short and the world is a difficult place. Why not be happy in what you're doing? I just firmly believe that. It reminds me of John Lennon's story that he tells about his teacher when the teacher says, what do you want to be when you grow up? And he said, happy. And she said, you don't understand the assignment. And he came back with, you don't understand life or something like that. I'm not sure exactly how he responded, but it's a beautiful thing. And being happy, sometimes that's a tall order to be happy all the time. But I feel like contentment for me, if I can be content in my day, that's a great day. Content means I'm not beating myself up. I'm not trying to plan my next five years. I'm just present in the moment and content. And that for me is Zen. I so agree. 
and so wonderful what you said, because it's in the moment. It's taking time to enjoy the moments, being content or at peace. There is no greater feeling to know that this is a good place. Yep. I'm in a good place and I'm proud of me. What a wonderful way to end this podcast. Do you have anything coming up you'd like to tell our audience about? No, I'm kind of in a transition. I'm always doing group coaching. I call them inner circles that we work with corporations. So if you're in the corporate world and you have a team of emerging leaders, ones that you're tapping for potential, I'd love to talk with you. If you're a growing leader, if you're there and you want to continue to add value to yourself and your team, all the way up to the CEOs, I really want you to reach out to me because we're always starting those new groups and would love to have you in there. Awesome. Do you want to mention something about that book that you wrote a chapter in, where people could find it, and how people could reach you? Yeah, the book is on Amazon, and it's called Singled Out, and it's focusing on workplace bullying. The person who pulled it together, Sharon Brown, just an amazing woman who realized that these stories needed to be told. As you mentioned earlier, my name of my company is Kimberly Hambrick Consulting. When it came time to do the LLC and they asked for a name, I was like, you want a name? Okay, I'll give you my name. So Kimberly Hambrick Consulting. I'm very prevalent on LinkedIn at Kimberly Hambrick as well. Okay, terrific. I really appreciate you joining us today, Kimberly. It's been so refreshing to talk with a business leader with the mindset of leading with values and serving your people instead of trying to control them or squash them sometimes. Yeah. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. I've enjoyed talking with you and I look forward to many more conversations. Me too. That'd be great. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be changing the topic from leadership to coaching and interviewing Jeanette Schneider about coaching and her unique approach to it. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget, remember to subscribe.